When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Wealth Ability for CPAs show. Better clients, better practice, better life. Here's Tom Wheelwright. Welcome to the Wealth Ability show for CPAs, where we're always discovering how to build better clients, a better practice, and a better life. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of the Wealth Ability Network. So inflation, it is everywhere. It's probably higher than what the government says it is. We all feel it in our pocketbooks and our clients are feeling their pocketbooks. So today, we're going to discover what to do about it. How do we deal with inflation when we've got high inflation and the, and the markets are all down? So you can't combat inflation by higher investment returns in the market because the market's down. So you actually have down market and you have high inflation, which back in the 80s, we used to call this stagflation. Um, haven't seen that term um, really being used much, but I think there's just a lot of uh, re repression on that term. But in order to talk about this and talking about inflation as a tax as well, um, because it is a, a really an insidious tax on the poor and the middle class. Uh, we have Garrett Watson from the Tax Foundation. Garrett's been here before. And uh, Garrett, welcome back. Thanks for having me. And uh, just a little bit about your background again, for those people who don't know you. Yeah, so I'm a senior policy analyst over at the Tax Foundation, and as an organization, we concentrate on state, federal, and global tax policy. We focus on both education and uh, policy uh, work uh, to help policymakers, the media, everyday taxpayers just know about uh, more about our tax code uh, in order to push it in a more simple pro-growth direction. Uh, I concentrate on a lot of our federal work, and I've done a little bit of state work as well. And uh, uh, as you've mentioned, of course, the uh, inflation situation has kept us busy uh, in DC, uh, combining that with all the news we've seen on the on the economic side over the last year. Let's just actually start with inflation as a tax. I mean, let's say you have a, a person who's on a fixed income, and they've got uh, an annuity coming in, and the annuity is paying four percent, and inflation is ten percent. So they're literally losing six percent annually on their investment, and they're losing purchasing power which is like a 250% tax that, I mean, do you look at it the same way, the tax foundation? Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a good way to think about it. And that's often consistent with how people view it in their everyday lives. I mean, it matches the intuition. When you look back at the high inflation uh, levels that we saw in the 70s and early 80s, uh, and now uh, it's true that both prices and uh, say wages or the returns to certain investments are going up in nominal terms, but they often lag uh, the increase in prices that you're paying elsewhere. And what that translates to is uh, a lower uh, real standard of living uh, over time. It also creates a lot of unpredictability, which people really makes a lot harder for financial planning moving forward. Uh, because it, it uh, I think as we were just chatting right before we started here, the uh, price increases on certain goods and services are not linear. A lot of, a lot of uh, uh, goods and services, say, say food or gas, may increase much quicker than overall inflation, making it even harder to, to plan. And of course, for workers, that's really hard because it requires several uncom maybe uncomfortable conversations with their bosses about uh, wage increases 
uh, in order to match this uh, this um, uh, inflation well, and or taking on more risk to get more uh, returns in the market. Well, and then if you if you put pressure on the on the wages, don't you then just isn't a spiral? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's self-reinforcing, right? As folks expect inflation to happen and demand higher wages or move to jobs that demand higher wages, it's going to uh, force feed more demand into the economy. And then we get stuck into an inflationary spiral that's very hard to get out of. Right. So, all right. So we've got this inflation. And uh, do you have projections? I mean, what's what's your projection as far as is, is what the Fed is doing? Is it, is it going to be enough? Can the mm-hmm. Fed actually stop the inflation or what I call magic money theory? When you look at uh, Stephanie Kelton and her and her gang that says, look, you can keep money putting, putting in the money economy and then you can put the brakes on by taxing money mm-hmm. out of the economy. And theoretically, sounds great. OK, only what's wrong with that Anal- an analysis, Garrett? Yeah, I, I think big picture, the the attitude everyone should have, especially policymakers and even especially the wonks, is a bit of humility on what might happen moving forward, uh, because a lot of folks were so confident that this inflation either wasn't going to happen or was going to be transitory and very short term, uh, because they were so used to the low inflation environment we had prior to the pandemic. And what we saw with all the additional spending and with all the supply chain issues with the pandemic, uh, that their expectations about that were wildly off. I mean, a lot of folks were not dreaming that we'd have anywhere close to the inflation level of eight and a half percent or even higher that we're seeing now. And so I think that really does mean, from a policy perspective, we need to be very humble and, and conservative in the, in the sort of broad sense about the direction of inflation moving forward. Uh, there is some, some very early indication that maybe things are softening a bit thanks to uh, the Fed's uh, uh, rate hikes. But the, I think the, the, the big pickle that the Fed is in now that they're sort of trying to catch up is how do you uh, try to dampen this inflation without what is known as a hard landing or a recession? Right. We're already seeing the markets, of course, which were already uh, hitting all-time highs before these, these rate hikes starting to start trying to panic a little bit. Uh, you're seeing returns on assets across the board uh, starting to, to decline on a year-by-year basis. And so the question is how, how, how long and how hard will that translate into uh, impacts on real economic activity? Uh, as folks see their sort of wealth that they had on paper really increase over the pandemic, start reversing. Uh, so I think that's the big risk there. And I think I think you're spot on here. This really exposes the intellectual fragility and incoherence of uh, of MMT and these sort of far left theories uh, that you can just spend as much as you want and we'll take care of the inflation through taxation. Because if anything, there's just no political will for that. Um, you know, the the idea that any politician is going to do that is it strikes me as, as fanciful. And this, this really lays bare that, that idea that you can do that even yeah. on paper. So, so let's talk about that for a second, Garrett, just cause I can't resist. So the, the, uh, the, the current proposal is let's tax um, uh, billionaires on their appreciation. Now I have my opinions, but seriously, does that have any impact on inflation by taxing billionaires? Yeah, so what you see is, of course, most billionaires became billionaires because they have most of their wealth uh, invested in the economy. They're not spending it uh, from the, the consumption side of things. And so by increasing taxes on very high earners, especially folks like billionaires, uh, you're not going to see a huge uh, in, uh, decline in demand because most of that uh, money is invested uh, elsewhere, not being consumed. And so all it's going to do is, is actually reduce uh, our growth potential moving forward and investment opportunities without uh, a corresponding reduction in inflation, which actually in some ways could magnify this deflation phenomenon we're seeing. Uh, right. I mean, more growth right now, not less. Obviously, it puts a lot of pressure on asset prices uh, yeah. and it, it will bring asset prices down because if Elon Musk has to sell, uh, right. for example, thousands of shares of Tesla in order to pay that tax, then the 
then this, obviously that puts downward pressure on the te- the you know the stock market. So that's yep. true with Apple. That's true with everybody else. So um, to me, it's a it's a downward pressure on asset prices, but it doesn't do anything for inflation because those yep. aren't rich people. In my experience, don't spend less money during inflationary times, and mm-hmm. they don't spend more money during inflationary times. They just spend the same amount because there's only so much you can spend anyway, right? Yep. So. The, in order to actually make that work, the MMT folks would have to hit the people that they gave the money to in the first place, which is they have to hit the middle class. And like you said, there's no political will for that. That's clear. So this, this whole dialogue right now, we're going to tax the rich and that's going to stop inflation. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. If they, were to, if they did tax the middle class, it would actually be cheaper. So my view is, and I'd like your opinion on this, but my view is it would be cheaper to the middle class to pay a higher tax than to continue inflation. Yeah, that, that, that's actually a really good question, especially when you think about yeah how um, how how damaging the inflation uh, has been uh, for middle class folks, and um, especially if you think about uh, the uh, the trade off of what we did, sort of the reverse of what you're saying by taxing them, which is providing all this stimulus to them. It did help folks in the short term, but now in the long run, they're and some some folks are worse off because they've already spent that yeah. that money. And now they got to deal with this long-term inflation. Because one thing about inflation that folks often forget about is inflation, uh, prices go up. They very rarely, if ever, go back down. It's not like we're going to see the price level decline uh, dramatically on a permanent basis moving forward. These are This is the new you know, set of prices. We saw this in the 70s and 80s, right? It, uh, prices went up. They didn't come back down. Just the rate of increase declined. Uh, and so that's that, that makes it pretty challenging for folks trying to catch up and um, raises a good question about the trade-offs of did we overshoot with the pandemic relief, uh, especially with last year's American Rescue Plan that it put something like five times more money into the economy than the output gap to get us back to, to full employment. And so we almost overlearned the lessons of the last of the Great Recession, right, where we had a really slow recovery and folks were worried about um, a lack of demand. Uh, and we used that in, uh, and we went overboard and now we're back into a, a, a different set of problems. Yeah, that's- shocking that the government overcompensated, just right. shocking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have a, a, one more technical question. I want to get into some practical issues. Uh, my technical question is, so what we before we saw commodity inflation, we saw high asset inflation. We saw it in the stock market. We saw it in housing. We saw it in um, multifamily housing. We saw it really across the board, asset prices. We even saw it in things like crypto, where you had a big, uh, a big upward pressure on asset prices, which long predated the commodity inflation. Okay, does that mean that the asset prices will also drop faster than the commodity prices? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good question because what's interesting about the current economic dynamic with both uh, sort of broader asset prices and commodities is we have a mix of sort of a uh, changes in the financial situation with the Fed. And then we also have, if you will, real economic impacts from uh, the Ukraine crisis, of course, is driving up commodity prices, not just oil and gas, but also things like wheat and other exports uh, from a lot from those countries, as well as, of course, uh, other supply shocks from, for example, the Omicron wave in China and, and some other attempts to maintain COVID zero there. And so uh, that that's going to have basically you see the aggregate effect of the net impact of all of those different trends in both of those uh, those classes. I think that the big picture thing you're seeing overall with um, sort of asset values is, of course, as interest rates overall have declined, real interest rates uh, have declined over the last few decades. That, of course, mechanically raises the 
you know, the present discounted value of, right. the, of those cash flows for those investments. And I think the worry is, or the, the uncertainty is, how much of this increase in rates is going to be a short-term effort to combat inflation, and the trend is still going to remain low moving forward, or are we seeing a you know a, a structural reversal, which would be a major shift in the way we think about right. um, economic activity moving forward? I think that's the big picture question. A lot of folks right. I mean, are we going to are are we going to are are we going to kind of uh, limp along at five percent cap rates, or are we going to all of a yeah. sudden see ten percent cap rates again? Right. Um, right. I mean, that's effectively what we're talking about because you're yeah. talking about price multiples, which is how all assets are valued. Right. So let's go to let's let's turn to practical side of this. So we're talking to CPAs here. We have clients and they're all concerned about inflation. We're concerned because, frankly, the reality is we have to raise our prices because we've got a lot of upward pressure on our salaries. OK, right now. But how do we actually go about helping entrepreneurs well, you know, how do you how do you serve entrepreneurs in a way that they can help combat inflation? Yeah, I think that's a great question, and it's it's challenging the tax code because you know we we did make some progress in terms of um, you know indexing certain aspects of the tax code for uh, inflation, most notably in eighty one uh, when, when President Reagan came in. Uh, but the job is far from finished, and we have a tax code that is that is a, a, a mix of provisions that are indexed. You know, most most. You know, no people know that, that for example, the the ordinary schedule is indexed, though not perfectly, right? We saw about a three percent adjustment this year. That doesn't necessarily reflect the actual inflation that we saw over the last year. It's sort of lagging, uh, but that's better than nothing. But we have a lot of other provisions, uh, most notably, of course, uh, you know, appreciation and capital gains that is not indexed at all, uh, in which you will be paying more um, if you have if you are earning uh, if you're successful in a given year and realizing those gains, because uh, a big part of those gains, uh, more so than before, is now in the form of inflation, that's especially true as inflation uh, maintains itself over the, over the long run, right? I mean, any one year, if it's slightly elevated, that's that's a hit um, for these folks. But if it's if it's lasting many years, that compound effect is pretty dramatic when you look at the real returns that folks are getting after tax if, if these various provisions are not indexed. I mean, I, other examples include, of course, the, uh, the net investment tax threshold is not indexed, which means folks uh, nominally are getting more and more folks are getting kicked into that extra 3.8% if uh, on their on their passive. I don't know. Sounds sounds like AMT to me. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that's what it, happens, right? It, more and more folks are, are getting thrown into it um, uh, over time. Uh, and then you have other other provisions like um, for a lot of individuals, of course, the and this is really important thing right now with uh, the house values, right, is the, the capital gains exemption. For homes is not uh, is not indexed. The uh, home mortgage interest deduction amount, the maximum amount of seven hundred fifty thousand dollars of uh, principal on your mortgage, that's not indexed. So more and more folks are going to hit those limits, and uh, uh, that's going to cause um, you paying more taxes in the long run. So that's been a big focus of ours is to emphasize to policymakers that we really need a rationalized uh, tax code that actually does provide th that is a coherent and consistent treatment of of inflation. Uh, so folks that can uh, be protected if we do run into this type of situation again. You know, now we have a lot of discussion back with Joe Manchin and the Democrats are talking about uh, raising taxes and uh, raising corporate taxes. We've got this re horrible idea from Liz Warren that we need to actually let um, FASB determine our tax mm -hmm. laws, right? The proposal to yep. tax book income, which is basically just relegating your relegating or dumping your uh, your job as a <laughs> in Congress, dump it on FASB. You know, that that's like the dumbest idea ever, I think. But Treasury, we have higher collections than we've had. We, we've got a, a, this surplus going on, right? I mean, all the states are showing the surplus. Treasury showing the surplus. 
why raise taxes when you have a surplus? All the states, I mean, literally, even, even California is looking at giving money back, right? So you've got all the states lowering taxes, giving money back. And now the Fed, no, they don't want to give money back. They, they want even more. So how, how, how does that play in? How does that play in into an inflation and, and how, you know, what it does to the average person? Yeah, I think you're right to point out there's a strong disconnect right now between what states uh, are doing on the tax side, which is uh, trying to lower taxes, provide more relief for folks. Uh, the way they're doing it can vary across the states, but red and blue states are looking at that. And, and the uh, Democrats in Congress and, and the White House are looking at going in the opposite direction, uh, which is uh, unfortunate to see. Um, and as you say, we've actually looked at some of the, the numbers from the Congressional Budget Office and, um, and uh, the Office of Management and Budget on where the revenue situation in the federal government is. And right now, we, last year, we hit record corporate tax revenue, uh, elevated ind individual tax revenue. We're, we're on track to hit a, a record again this year, both, both in, in nominal terms, but also as a portion of GDP. And I think that's important. So even if you, you, you take out the inflation angle, we are still doing really well from a revenue perspective. The problem is, of course, policymakers want to spend above and beyond even that. And they're, uh, that's mostly why they are looking at these tax hikes. The problem is, I mean, a lot of folks will say it costs nothing, but they neglect um, at very minimum to say that there's a timing effect where they're planning to spend a lot of this money up front, but not raise a lot of this revenue until later. And what, what does that translate to for everyday folks? More inflation in the short run. Well, uh, on top of that, I'm, talk about. We're, at, we're at a 21% corporate tax rate, the lowest mm -hmm. we've ever been, Yep. or at least in, in recent memory, yet we've got the highest collections ever. So it would seem to say that Art Laffer was right. I mean, right? I mean, supply side economics works. That, I mean, that is what, that's the whole Laffer curve, right? So that would seem to say that that's right, which would also seem to say that if you raise the rates, you actually jeopardize those collections. Yeah, I, I think the, 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 the doomsdayers in the 2017 tax law discussion, I thought that lowering this rate would uh, collapse corporate tax revenue, I very minimum proves, yeah, that they, they were wrong on that. And they, of course, neglected the fact that we brought in the base there, which we know from basic economics, from the supply side theory, that that's gonna help uh, encourage more, more investment and, and ultimately in the long run, more revenue, um, no matter how you slice it. Uh, I, I think right now, the, of course, the record revenue is a mix of, of things, I think. It, it, inflation plays part of the role, the recovery helps. And then I think it is this, this, uh, this pro-growth sort of direction that's helped maintain these revenues. And also, when you look at it from a historical perspective, you know, business tax collections overall are right on, on track with where they have been historically, if not a bit up. So this argument that somehow businesses are undertaxed or we have a, uh, a, a broken corporate tax code is just not correct. It's also true when you look at it compared to other countries. You'll hear a lot of these uh, folks point out that, oh, we have low corporate tax collection compared to, say, countries in Europe. That's just straight up wrong. Uh, we're actually, if anything, a little above average there, especially when you uh, incorporate for the fact as many as most of your, your listeners know, that we collect a lot of uh, taxes through pass-through firms in this country. That's actually fairly unique. A lot of other countries don't have that or as, as much of that. Uh, and when you adjust for that that unique fact about the U.S., we're sitting actually a little above average even now. Uh, well, so important facts to keep in mind. On top of that, you also have to adjust for the fact we have state taxes and most, yep. of, most other countries do not have state taxes. Now, right. Canada does, but really a lot of Europe they don't have those same state taxes that we have. Um, they have value-added taxes basically instead, effectively. So, um, but from a pure, but from a pure corporate tax rate, our, our corporate tax rate is really not twenty-one percent, right? Unless you live in 
Well, I don't know. Uh, uh, states don't have them. South Dakota, just, yes. because Florida has a corporate tax. Um, right. Texas has a a franchise tax, yep. so they still have a tax. So you the, know that the, yeah, the, the average is about twenty, a little over twenty five percent in the U.S. Yeah, the, yeah, the exactly, rate, so. exactly. So it it strikes me when we think about how to help our clients. I've always said that the fastest way to put an easiest way to put money in your pocket is just lower your taxes. Just follow the tax law and lower your taxes mm-hmm. um, because there's so many opportunities that are legal that are in, that actually are encouraged, you know, whether it's real estate or, you know, whatever you're investing in agriculture, business, whatever, that that's the best way to actually get more money is to, to not pay so much tax um, legally. What other things do you think, you know, as a business advisors, what, what should we be telling our clients to help them have enough money in their pocket to combat the inflation side? Yeah, I think one area we've been looking at, and some of this is, is more so educating policymakers than anything, but I think it's important for, for firms and business owners to keep in mind too, is uh, as inflation goes up, especially as they say, if it remains durable over time, hopefully it isn't, but if it is, uh, the the way the tax code treats depreciation deductions is gonna is gonna be impacted as well, right? In, in a world in which inflation is lower, mm. you know the 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 cost of having delayed deductions, while not while still positive, is lower than in a world in which you have higher mm-hmm. inflation, right? And so if you have a deduction, you're depreciating something over say 10 years or with structures, you know, 27 and a half or 39 years, that makes a big difference. If we're not, if we don't have a tax code that adjusts for that or allows for accelerated uh, depreciation, and, and we have or, bonus depreciation starting right. to um, deplete yep. starting next year, right? Goes down eight percent, six percent, fifty percent. Do you think then, from a policy standpoint, it's important for them to bring that back up to a hundred percent? Yeah, we've been big advocates of of extending, making, and even making permanent that bonus depreciation. We think it's an important part, a progressive part of our tax code. It also has a lot of simplification, of course, associated with it. Uh, if you can do that, rather than having to maintain uh, the, the various deductions on your your books for tax purposes. Uh, and uh, we're also following, of course, uh, more narrowly the discussion that's happening right now about uh, the switch from uh, being able to expense R&D expenses to amortizing them right. over five years or up to 15 right. years for certain investments, uh, which we're, we're hopeful, cautiously optimistic that maybe this year that can be reversed because we're so uh, we're so unusual in doing that. Right. First time since uh, back to 1953 that we don't allow for R&D expenses to be uh, immediately deducted. Uh, and, and we hope to do something similar for, for bonus moving forward. Of course, that was made temporary in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Right. Ideally, it would be made permanent. That's when we see the most pro-growth uh, uh, sort of effects from it. It also helps businesses who are you know, making investments now and trying to understand, if I'm planning an investment out the next five years, what is the tax treatment going to look like? There's uncertainty right now. It'd be best to have that certainty in the form of permanence. Uh, so we'll have to see how that shakes out with the other tax discussions. How do we deal with this from an estate planning standpoint? Yeah, I think that, that, that that's a, uh, a really important question, uh, not just with inflation, of course, but also with all the other sort of discussions on, on the Hill and, and in D.C. about uh, changing various uh, tax rules that would impact the states, uh, not just the estate tax itself, but also the treatment of step up and basis, which we, we had a you know, discussion last year about potentially repealing uh, and other uh, more complicated uh, proposals uh, from other folks to Senator Ron Wyden this year to ta- to basically implement a, a form of mark-to-market taxation of capital gains that would impact the states. Um, but uh, and I think this goes back to the, the the big question as to how long this inflation lasts, right? Because a, a temporary blip of a couple of years is one thing. If this thing is durable and lasts a long time, all of a sudden, if you are trying to plan over a long-term horizon and plan out your estate, uh, that makes a big difference, right? When you're looking at, at your- yeah, You, you, wanna, you, you better life. freeze those values now. Right. Um, and, and then on top of that, uh, remembering that the- 
twelve million dollar exclusion drops, yep, you know it, it's also temporary, right? That, that, yeah, that's a great point, right? So that 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 does adjust every year, but it is going to cut cut in half effectively uh, at the end of twenty twenty five. And so, folks, uh, that's another reason why I think you know no matter what direction we take in terms of the policy, a lot of folks would prefer permanence and stability and certainty over yeah. an uncertain code. And that, of course, for a lot of folks, a lot of your listeners is put a lot of stress on folks the last couple of years who just don't know where the tax code is going. It's a lot of whipsawing back and forth. We better have, it'd be better to have permanence no matter where we land than um, uh, that additional uncertainty. They're already getting a lot of that uncertainty in the market and with inflation. They don't need it from policymakers too, who can't make up their minds. Awesome. Well, thank you, uh, Garrett, Garrett Watson, Tax Foundation, taxfoundation.org. Um, I'm a big fan, as you know. Uh, I, I, I get a lot of information out of Tax Foundation, and it's really, really helpful, um, both on the federal side and the state side. Any any final words for our listeners, Garrett? Yeah, I just want to thank you again for inviting me. And uh, yeah, if it, we are following closely all the developments, not just on inflation, but on the various tax proposals in D.C., uh, through uh, the rest of the year. So feel free to come to our website, taxfoundation.org and uh, peruse our materials. Uh, not only do we have analysis of, of proposals that are happening now, but also a lot of just uh, tax education. If, if you have a, a friend or someone who uh, wants to learn more about the basics of our tax code, uh, we're the place to go to. I really appreciate that. Again, Garrett Watson, the Tax Foundation, taxfoundation.org. Uh, just remember that, you know, we our, our clients do care about inflation and they do care about what's going on from a tax standpoint, the inflation. And when we look at the combination of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act and, and the evolution of that over the next few years, and we combine that with inflation, um, really the best thing we can do for our clients is to help them permanently reduce their taxes. And when we do that, we're gonna find we, got better, we have better clients, a better practice and a better life. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the WealthAbility for CPA show. Better clients, better practice, better life. To learn more, go to WealthAbility.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.